Welcome to the Action Research Podcast, somehow the first podcast dedicated solely to action research. Each episode, action research experts Adam and Joe explore facets of this research methodology. Speaking with experienced and emerging action researchers, they aim to contribute to this important and growing field and understand the nuance and process of action research in action. Thanks for tuning in. Now, on to your hosts. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Action Research Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking, we're going to be kind of looking back in the season, thinking of talking about things that went well, looking within ourselves as podcasters, Joe and I. Hi, Joe. Hey, Adam. How's it going? Good. Uh, yeah, cool. great. It's great that we're doing this, I think, as the one of the natural phases of action research. Uh, it's really great for us to be reflecting to show and model that uh, action research process in our podcast. Yeah. In addition to kind of talking about last season, I think we'll look do some look forward as well. So um, I'm excited to uh, have that conversation with you. Um, however, before we jump in, um, kind of aligned with this, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, um, we also wanted to sort of bring you all, our listeners, in to see a little bit more about what's going on um, in, in the recording process. And specifically, that means, you know, hearing a little bit from um, our team members. Yeah. Um, so thanks, Adam. Yeah, I think it's really great because uh, action research and the work of a podcast takes a team. Uh, and one of the things that's really important is to make sure that all team members are recognized for their contribution. So uh, we just want to have uh, Shika and Corey come on and uh, introduce themselves just because they are an integral part of the team. They do the production side, they're working with the guests, they're coming up with ideas for podcast topics and themes, really uh, driving a lot of, of this work. So it's really important for all the excellent work that they do just to, to say hi, um, since the names are in the show notes. So to start off, it would be great, Chick, if you could say hi to everybody and tell some folks a little bit about what you're doing. Hey everyone, I'm Shikha Devakar. I am a production manager for this podcast for um, all season three. It's a great learning and it helped me in my process. I'm a PhD student, by the way. So uh, this podcast contributed to my own learning, own uh, processes to learn methods, all the challenges, all the nuances, um, struggles, mess and everything and it helped me through my PhD process and right now I'm writing my thesis I'm already done with collecting data so um, I hope that how this podcast helped me help everyone uh, of our listeners thank you so much now I'll pass it to Corey our new member hey thanks uh, hi everyone my name is Corey Corey Legasic and I'm also here in Montreal Joe Jagge and uh, yeah, so I'm a PhD student at McGill. I'm also one of Joe's newer students, um, but I'm also a college teacher. I've been teaching for 13 years, uh, sociology and humanities, and also running an alternative school where we do um, critical humanistic education. So that's why I'm doing my PhD in education at McGill. And I, I don't deserve the accolades. I've just kind of been joining. And I remember about a year and a half ago, sitting with Sheikha and Vanessa in a park talking about this podcast. And 
kind of excited about learning alongside those two and uh, so that's what I've been doing for the last little while is just kind of in the background getting mentored and learning the production side which has been one of my goals in my PhD so it's kind of exciting to step up a little more alongside Sheka and we're going to be behind the scenes uh, doing the editing and um, so that's exciting and in my terms of my own work too I'm interested in participatory action research, especially with teachers and students. And I'm also interested in what's, I guess the field is called critical affective pedagogy. So looking at, I guess, the idea of collective care in the classroom between students and teachers. Yep, so thanks. It's really great to join all of you and I'm looking forward to being more present in season four. That's awesome. We're, we're really grateful um, for both of you. And shout out to Vanessa also, who couldn't make the recording today. Would either of you mind offering just a little bit of an insight about more specifically what what you're referring to from the things that you've learned from the podcast that has influenced your um, your research? So one of the things that I learned that gave me big relief was um, understanding that the research process at its initial phases are messy. It is unorganized and it doesn't make sense at the beginning. And as a student, we don't see those initial phases in the academic publications because academic publications talk about the polished ideas of research processes and how they achieve results and everything but in this podcast i learned about the challenges all the researchers go through so as a student it gave me big relief that okay my process which looked messy and unorganized to me it's actually a part of process so i'm on the right direction and this is how it's supposed to be so that was one of the major learning and a big relief that i got from this and how it works in an iterative cycle the major learning from the podcast the philosophy of uh, action research that nothing has to go in a linear um, linear style it is always in a cycle. You you learn something, you read about it, you learn that, oh, maybe this is not the right fit for my research. Then you relearn and, you know, you tweak, you modify, you introduce new things. So those iterative cycles that I learned about helped me a lot to think through my own project and not getting frustrated that, oh, it's not going anywhere, but learning that this is how the process should look like. Yeah, so I can really relate uh, to that. There's, um, the, as you were talking, Shika, like the thing that came to my mind was um, this kind of aliveness of action research where there's this sense of letting go of control a bit because so much of this process is also emergent. It's, a, it's dialogical. It's really dynamic with the people that you're in community with. And as a teacher coming in, I, action research really felt like a home for me. It just feels so intuitive, right? If you just think on the basic level of you teach a course, you think about your course, you teach it again, it's like a natural action research cycle in itself. And the, the participatory part is where in my own work, you know, where teachers tend to work in silos, I really work collaboratively with my students and my, and my colleagues. So that too, seeing the differences between methodologies that are more participatory has been just really great. I respond well to a conversations, hearing practitioners and researchers be in conversation with each other just feels like such a, a much more natural fit too to, 
communicating action research rather than just reading articles because that's the thing too that's so nice about the podcast is that informality you know these it humanizes these people that you've been reading about and uh, and I'm writing my candidacy papers right now which is like for others uh, comprehensive exams and I'm drawing from the podcast and even that's an interesting thing is like that tension of like oh am I allowed to reference you know there's that um reflex of like, should I go find their their published work or do I kind of honor the podcast and the conversation? Is it a gateway to people's published work or does it stand on its own? Like I think of the conversation around rigor with um, Alfredo. There are things in that conversation that weren't in his article. This is a past season that I want to reference in my own work. So anyway, so I'm really appreciating the dialogical aspect of the podcast and the humanizing that it does to these scholars that I've been reading about. Great. Yeah, that's uh that's it's helpful to know for us as, you know, kind of the the hosts to know what's going on with the podcast for, for people who are listening to it, you know, if especially, you know, coming to it for the first time now that you're working with us, it's helpful to have your perspective too, uh, Corey, because we're just kind of in the day to day and and that multiple um, those multiple perspectives, the people from different positionalities looking at the same thing are very helpful. Um, I know that that was very helpful with Shika as well as we started this because um, she's been with us since the beginning and her work has been very helpful just to give us another perspective, somebody who's listening to the conversation, who's commenting, who's sending notes, uh, who's thinking about future directions. I have a, I have a question for all of you. Um, I'm curious, how would you describe the the growth or evolution from the first season to the third season. When I look at like kind of the evolution of the podcast, one of the things that stands out to me are like, it kind of organically started to create these different modules, if you will, or like formats of episodes. We just kind of jumped into the deep end and started talking about what is action research, largely based from our own experience. And then we started to bring in guests and, and that kind of created um a format if you will and now looking back on it you know we've got a few different like very specific formats that we can focus in on that we sort of weave in and out throughout the season so for example you know we still talk about what is action research uh, but we'll bring in specific experts so that that's one format right let's hear from experts about a very specific angle of action research or characteristic of action research or method within action research. Um, I like how we're also bringing in um, action research projects from the field to the podcast, which is also a format of its own. We've got the voices from the field segment um, where I've been talking about the copy project that I've been working on here. Um, we have uh, Danny and Marina from um, the Institute of Development Studies talking about their Clarissa project, which is another example of what action research, what it actually looks like in the field and bringing on the podcast. And we've got some re recurring um, guests like Alfred, Dr. Alfredo Ortiz Aragon. Um, and we're continuing to kind of build this idea of formats out. So um, for me, that's been the kind of how things have shifted from the beginning to where we are now. And I look forward to like creating more formats and kind of just pushing the the limits to how an academic podcast can be um, considered as sort of like 
empirical work, right? So I'm excited to continue to push the, the boundaries for ways that we can take this uh, medium of knowledge dissemination and make it kind of more widely accepted um, in the field of scholarship and academia. One of the things that was really helpful was when we first started the podcast, like Adam said, like we were just kind of like, what are we doing? Let's do this. I think it'd be important to have a podcast about action research because it's a field or a paradigm or an approach that is really important um, and it's growing. And sometimes it can be accessible because it sits in this uh, in-between or liminal space between practitioners and scholars and communities and um, people who are doing a variety of different kinds of work. And so having a variety of ways to talk about it, to think about it, to share it is really important. And one of the things that it was really helpful for us was when we first started, we realized very quickly that we needed to uh, add some team members. And so we first uh, asked Shika if she was willing to join us. And Shika just started her PhD program and, and having somebody who comes in with fresh eyes, who you know is knowledgeable um, about topics, but who may not have the kind of not be immersed yet in, in these concepts, it was very helpful to think about how to frame and how to orient um, some of these episodes. Uh, another person who who was very helpful too is Vanessa Gold, um, who came in pretty quickly after Shika. Um, so it's important to mention her because you know she's she's been working on the podcast for a couple seasons. If we're going to go back all the way that way, and and that was really helpful in terms of the production, in terms of thinking through questions, adding concepts, and making sure that there are multiple perspectives, so we don't get stuck, and so that our podcast stays relevant to to students. For example, um, there have been a lot of times. Uh, when, you know, Shika or Vanessa had questions that we hadn't thought of because we, you know, we had already been doing that for so long that we didn't think about it. Um, and that's really important. So, and, you know, thinking through season one, season two, and season three, season one was really like, what is, you know, like Adam said, um, what is action research and what are the variations and the permutations? What are some nuances and things to think about with defining and, and engaging in action research. And that was really what we were thinking about in my mind in that first season, you know, just going over some of those episodes has been really interesting. Just thinking about, you know, the titles, even, um, you know, what is action research, who is action research, and then thinking about reflexivity, acting to learn and learning to act like all of these different ways of thinking through the engagement with action research was, um, you know, one, it was, it was fun because it's helpful for us to organize, at least for me, to organize some of the things that become kind of intuitive or implicit or subconscious and, and making them explicit and, and conscious. Um, and then thinking about season two, we started thinking about more formats um, to bring it more to life, to bring action research more to life. And I think that that's really useful because um our conversations were very very interesting and we had a lot of uh really um insightful discussions and then you know and i think this was really important you know in terms of adam's idea to do these voices from the field it was like okay so how do we bring that to life to for people to see it how do we model this in some ways um to try to show folks what goes into an actual ongoing project and you know we're still working on getting that hammered out in terms of the format, but I think it's a really 
um, really nice way to think about how to, to engage in dissemination of knowledge about research. So I don't know, Shika, if you have any um, other thoughts about the first two seasons, and then we'll jump into season, talking about season three and season four. I guess Adam and you pretty much explain the entire process and uh, how the podcast evolved. But as a production person, and especially as a student, I see it evolving from the basic to the nitty gritty and to the depths of the methods that really help me to understand. I wouldn't say from beginning to end, because there is no end when it comes to method, but at least starting from beginning and evolving and understanding each aspect with each episode. And our each episode was reflecting on the themes like reflexivity, trust building, relationship building. Now I see people talking about, but generally in, in, in the beginning when I was new, whole concept of action research, I never read papers which talked about relationship building, trust building, and this humane aspects of methods. So that I see evolving and bringing in more themes which make more sense and meaningful for me as a student. What do you think is the role of podcasts in literature reviews? Do you see a shifting role for podcasts? In my mind, I'm I'm thinking they're like Wikipedia, right? It's a place you go to, but you can't end there. You, it's a gateway to other people's work. Like, can I work with podcasts as sources within themselves? Or are they a, a media through which I, I encounter researchers and then I go find their work and I have to work with their peer-reviewed published work first of all Corey, i love that question um <clears throat> and i think it's for me very important to discuss because that was actually how this whole podcast was spawned <laughs> because i was doing my literature review for my um my phd research and it was so challenging for me because there was such a web of information out there, especially now within academia, where it's such a like publish or perish type environment. So how do you go diving through this like huge body of research, trying to not only find the research that's aligned with your studies, but also find good research within that. And then, you know, have to put all of it into this entire chapter, which we put so much focus and importance on for especially PhD research, to me, it was a, an incredibly frustrating and inefficient process. There has to be a more streamlined way to do this. And while I was like kind of calming down from being so frustrated, I was just like walking around the block, listening to podcasts just to calm down and step away from like the hours upon hours of doing my lit review research, wasting time as I saw it. And that's where I was like, well, why, why aren't I just listening to like research and, and further like through podcasting, you know, you can, as you mentioned, Corey, you can engage with the research, right? Whereas with the, the research that's generally out there, it's so linear and unilateral. It's like, okay, I'm going to read this article and I'm going to interpret it. But we all know that you, the idea is to interrogate this research, right? And be able to ask follow-up questions or perhaps be like, well, what did you mean by this? Or I might challenge that. Hence, we had this idea of bringing, making this academic-oriented podcast 
to engage with the research and, and in my opinion dig a lot deeper into what comes out of any given published article so I think it's really important that we find a way to include information that comes from podcasting into a literature review, for example. So I think in the future, one potential angle for that, Corey, could be to actually publish written versions of these transcripts and discussions and maybe a book or a journal or whatever it might be so that it is more acceptable in the system that you're in to cite from um, th these types of dis important discussions that we're having. Yeah, that's uh, thank you for those two cents. I think that's why I want you to go first because it's super helpful. I think there is a place for podcasts as academic media, but in terms of the hierarchy of knowledge, a, a double-blind peer-reviewed academic article is considered the best standard we have for what it means to engage in research. And the reason for that is, is that you've had at least two and probably more other quote unquote experts in the field. And we can talk about the gatekeeping and what it means to be an expert in the field. Look in depth and give feedback to the article about every facet of what the article is saying, whether it's missing out on important considerations, um, questioning and verifying the, um, the the findings and the conclusions and the interpretations. And so the, you know, the kind of the, the way in which knowledge is supposed to be kind of constructed from this kind of community of scholars, that is the gold standard. That being said, there's a lot of peer-reviewed research out there that is not held to that standard because there's such a uh, industrial-like approach to research these days because publications are so important and everybody needs to have dozens and dozens of publications and peer-reviewed articles so a lot of the like it's so a lot of what kind of in theory was supposed to be this very rigorous and, and um, kind of rarefied difficult thing to do has now kind of gotten diluted by um, the need to continue to publish and so there are lots of double-blind peer-reviewed journals out there that are not as rigorously engaging in the process. So that's one thing, and that's just an aside. Um, I think it would be great if we could reduce the expectations or amounts of double-blind peer-reviewed journal articles and publication to make them more high quality and less about quantity. And we could think about things like podcasts or things like blogs or video um, as other forms of dissemination that are equally useful um, but a compliment to somebody's research project, right? I think in terms of thinking through method, podcasts are an excellent space for thinking through method and for people to share their experiences with method. And I think that is equally and just as important information as pure double-blind peer-reviewed articles because the method in and of itself needs to be authentic and real like discussions that are authentic and real about the messiness, about the indecision, about the nuance, about the things that are, you know, that you kind of the negotiations that you need to make throughout your project to make sure that you get everything done in a way that's good ethical considerations that are not necessarily just, you know, institutional review boards, but ethical considerations from a human to human perspective or, or an environment to human perspective. So Declarative knowledge is usually what is considered to be engaged in with double-blind peer-reviewed research because it's like, here's what I did, 
here's what I found. Here's how it makes sense in the world. And so this is something that is real and that's declarative knowledge. Procedural knowledge is harder to do and double blind peer review research, as you well know, Corey, because you're working on that kind of um, process now. And I think that there is a important facet of procedural knowledge. Like how does this work? What is the flow of things? How do we get to X, Y, or Z? And that's harder to find in articles, but it's easier to explore because storytelling is a great way to explore procedural knowledge in things like podcasting through conversation, through dialogue. So, you know, that doesn't mean it can't happen. I know that there are publications that do think about procedural knowledge as well. And I think that podcasts, if, you know, and, and then it's just a matter of thinking through what count, like being a critical uh, listener, just like being a critical reader, what counts as justified beliefs, what counts as knowledge, what counts as something that um, can be done in a way that is, you know, that can be used in, uh, in work and in life based on thoughtful engagement with empirical reality, thoughtful reflection, and thoughtful interpretation. And that can be done via podcast, that can be done via reading articles, that can be done via books. So podcasts to me is an is a strong addition, like it adds to the pantheon of what it means to engage in knowledge construction. And so I think it should be used in research and it should be cited, especially if, you know, the people who are, and, and this is the hard part, the people who are, who are discussing things also have experience and understanding of what makes a justified finding and, and a justified belief. So great question. So speaking of podcasting and it's co-constructing of knowledge, let's reflect a little bit about season three, kind of what we did this season and what we're thinking about doing um, for season four, because that is part of this process. I think it's really important to bring action research the action side of research into this discussion um, and not talk about it solely from a theoretical lens, but like kind of what Shika referenced to sort of the messiness of it. Um, so I'm really happy about doing that. Um, you know, if you were going to consider action research from like the researcher practitioner paradigm, if you will, I tend to fall more on the practitioner side of things because I'm so engaged in like the day-to-day -day movement of what's actually happening that sometimes I lose track of the, the research side of things. And bringing that discussion here to this podcast and with our audience really kind of like forces me to take a more reflective stance and look back and be like, okay, how is this project going? You know, how 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 is it responsible? Looking at through through a lens of participation and collaboration and impact and my own role in it. So I really appreciate being able to bring that discussion to the podcast. And, you know, the original idea was to be more intentional about literally bringing all of these various participants of this project honor this podcast, which perhaps we could still do, but for various reasons, it just wasn't, it didn't make, it didn't happen. It didn't, it wasn't that easy. It was a little bit easier 
said than done. So um, that's kind of like my initial reflection on at least Voices from the Field as a segment of this season. Um, I think it aligns with a larger theme within this season, kind of how we've been dancing around this idea of communication and action research. You've already mentioned something that I think we're going to want to work on, which is thinking about voices from the field in a way that has, is more multivocal. Um, thinking about expanding that uh, way of understanding, like what you know, how knowledge through experience can be shared in ways that can be relevant to others. Um, I think that's really important. I would love to see more engagement with our listeners as much as our guests. And it's also easier said than done. But I, I often, when I think about our audience, I think mostly of students or people learning about action research. And oftentimes they have a lot to bring to that table and discussion as far as what's interesting to them, that ask the right questions. I love hearing from Sheikah and Corey. Like I would love to have more discussions with them and just hear more from our listeners and students about the things that they wanna know more about so that we can either be more intentional about how we're focusing that, focusing on that in the next season, the guests that we're bringing on, the topics that we're deciding on, perhaps even bringing students on to have roundtable discussions on the podcast. I think that would be really powerful. Maybe we could uh, jump in here as a way to you know, conclude and you've been reflecting on uh, ways to move forward with season four. And, and maybe I could just highlight um, two things. I think, uh, Joe, you're talking about the kind of messiness of action research. And I think it's interesting having us as students also doing production is that we are listeners. And I think sometimes when I've listened to episodes, you know, as a student, I see some messiness and I wish we could dig in even more. And I think that's the strength of the podcast. And I think one example is in the last episode, episode eight, the season with uh, Marina and Danny was they were at one point, they were talking about collecting all these uh, day in the life data with hundreds of kids, and that they actually had kids analyze each other's data and and it was one step in a lot of steps in the project but as a student I was like pause slow down how do you coordinate this you know I want to hear about the messiness and the procedural knowledge involved in making that work happen right I think it's great to have student kids involved in analysis but I want to know I want to know how did it work? How did you do the scheduling? Like, was it in person? How big were the groups? Like, what were the challenges of working with kids? What ages were they? And and I think having students as producers, we can help with that. And I think that could be a direction for season four. We could potentially look for students to invite as guest hosts who have an invested interest in the particular guest's work. Yeah, I guess uh, most of the listeners are students and they have like a lot of questions. So if someone wants to be a guest host or, you know, there are a lot of researchers who are really continuous listeners because I, I still receive feedback on each episode, having them back on our uh, some of the episodes, a special episode where our listeners going to be our host but sounds like a really interesting idea. It's, it leads to more engagement. Great. Sounds good. Um, I think that's a great way to wrap up. Adam, do you want to add anything? Do you have anything you want to? No, I just really appreciate all of you. 
and thank you for um, accompanying me on this journey like that we're in together. I think we're onto something here with this podcast. Uh, it just feels different being an academic podcast. I mean, podcasting is kind of blowing up there everywhere, you know, but I think we're onto something special. So I appreciate all of your patience as we kind of allow for it to emerge, just like good action researchers. Uh, I appreciate your suggestions, especially Sheikah and Corey, and looking forward to the next season. Great. I think that's a great way to end season three. So stay tuned for season four, which should come back in September. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch you soon. How have you found yourself in the world of action research? Want to be interviewed or share one of your projects? Engage in interactive dialogue with Joe, Adam, and other experts and listeners in the community on Twitter at the underscore ARPod or the Action Research Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on most major podcast distribution platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Action Research Podcast, created by Adam Stieglitz, Joe Levitan, Shika DeWalker, Corey Legasic, and Vanessa Gold.